Welcome to the Gloria Purvis Podcast, where we talk about the issues in the Catholic Church and in society that matter to you and to me, and I'm glad you're here to have that conversation with me. My guest today is Father Josh Johnson. He is the Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He's also the author of Broken and Blessed, An Invitation to My Generation, Pocket Guide to Adoration, and Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. He's a contributing author of Black Catholics on the Road to Sainthood, and he has a podcast called Ask Father Josh from Ascension Press. I want to speak with Father Josh because, well, he does have a high profile on social media, and he has a very strong relationship with Jesus. That's his basis for doing a lot of the things that he does. And as a high profile priest on social media, he's had his share of trolls. And Father Josh, the way he has handled those trolls has been really instructive and shows an incredible amount of restraint, love, charity. And I think it just serves as a good example for how we should respond when people are attacking us. And uh, Father Josh, I think, (laughs) has been a very good role model in that regard. And I also want to talk with him about the role social media plays in our spiritual lives and identify all the dangers, sometimes subtle dangers, on those platforms. And maybe I figured, you know, Father Josh probably has some very good tips on how to stay grounded on social media based on his own witness of what I've seen with him on social media. And also, he has a way of bringing humor into holiness. (laughs) I loved his uh, TikToks on Lent and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? This is what it is. This is how we should strive to be when we're on social media. So I thought, why not have a conversation with Father Josh about the dangers, the pitfalls, when to step away, and how to remain joyful, I suppose, while you're on social media. So stick around for that conversation. As you know, I'm doing this podcast with America Media, where real, honest conversations are happening around the most important issues at the intersection of the church and the world. And that's unique in the Catholic media landscape today. And the best way to access all of our content and to support my podcast is to get a digital subscription to America. Go to americamagazine.org slash subscribe and sign up today. The link is in the show notes. Stick around. My conversation with Father Josh Johnson is up next. Father Josh, I'm so glad you could be with us today. Gloria, it is such a gift to see your face. (laughs) You're very kind. I don't feel like you're very (laughs) kind. It's a gift to see yours. And if they could have heard the praying you did before we started recording the podcast, I think the hair would be on fire. Holy Spirit fire. So thank you for that. I think that's just, you know, such a thing that we all need to be doing, making sure we pray and pray openly. Mm. And, you know, Father, I want to talk with you about how to be on social media without losing your soul. Because, you know... (sighs) All I could say is with everything that's going on in the world, social media, a lot of it, frankly, has a tone that's not, I don't think, conducive to growing in virtue and holiness. And even the people, some lay Catholics, self-identified lay Catholics who are opinion makers, I guess, if you want to say, say some of the most anti-gospel things. It's not just lay people, priests, religious, um, and and even beyond that, uh, we have seen some things that are very disheartening on social media. Hey, speak on it. And I was just thinking, you know, I'm so thankful for your priesthood. And so that, you know, for listeners who are maybe not familiar with you, maybe you want to tell them a little bit about your story, your call to the priesthood. Sure. Now, before I tell them my story, I want to say I'm thankful for you and for your friendship as well. Oh. Uh, you uh, oh. you and I have been friends for, for a few years now, and you are one of the, the great yeah. gifts that the Lord has, has allowed me to dwell with. And so I'm, just, I'm grateful for you. I think that you are a queen and you are a prophet in our times. Oh. And by you being obedient to the will of God in your life, you have seen a lot of people turn against you. And so I just want to start by saying 
I support you and I rock with you and I will ride with you to the day that we die because you have helped so many people Mm -hmm. come to deeper conversions through your work, through your ministry, not only your pro-life ministry and your anti-abortion ministry, but through your ministry of anti-racism. You have helped so many people have profound conversions and come to understand things that before they did not know until you spoke on it. And you kept speaking on it, even whenever people around you try to stop you. So I just want to say thank you for your witness. You inspire a lot of people. So before I tell you about me, I wanted to acknowledge that that I'm grateful to be your friend and I'm grateful for the work oh, that, that you've done. Yeah. Oh, Father, you are so generous. I, I'm not worthy of all of that. I'm really not. But I will tell you, yes, when you say you rock with me, you do. And you have been a rock for me. And so I am just so thankful for that. And I'm hoping our listeners have a friend like you. What I have with you, I hope everybody could have mm. with a good, holy person because mm. we need those holy friendships, right? We need that person when things are down and just to whisper, girl, I'm praying for you. And I got the psalm for you. The psalm hit me and it's for you. Mm. Friends, ba boom, ba boom. How, How many, many of us, us have them? <laughs> hey, friends. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, speaking of friends, mm-hmm. my best friend is Jesus. And, and and so, I mean, my story is just, it's all about relationship with Jesus. I was raised by a Catholic mother and an African-American Methodist Episcopalian father, and they raised me in the Catholic church. I didn't like the church growing up. I didn't understand the mass growing up. I didn't understand church teaching growing up. And so my plan was to get confirmed and then to leave the Catholic Church. And then (laughs) on the night of my confirmation, a young lady named Brandy invited me to a conference. And it was very beautiful because Brandy was a girl who had a conversion a year prior to this. And she's a white girl. and I'm biracial. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm African-American. And my mother's white. And she noticed after her conversion that when she went to youth group, when she went to conferences, when she went to retreats, when she went to missions, everybody that went there was all white. And so she paid attention to color and she noticed that there were four black mm-hmm. kids in our confirmation class and we were never represented in the speakers and the priests and the religious and in the attendance of these conferences. And so she was intentional and consistent about inviting us week after week to retreats, missions, conferences, and youth group. And week after week, we would say, no, I mean, my plan was I'm going to leave the Catholic Church. I have no desire to do anything on my own will with the Catholic Church. And the night after I was confirmed, Mm. she invited me again. And she said, hey, look, there's this this retreat coming up, this conference. Do you want to come? And I said, I would love to go. And I don't know why I said that. It was the Holy Spirit, I guess. But I did not want to go to this conference. And Um. uh, I, I went reluctantly. And when I went to this conference on June 26, 2004, at 8 o'clock p.m. Saturday night, I encountered Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Eucharist. And the bishop, it was Sam mm. Jacobs, he processed through the crowds of about 5,000 teenagers. And he came face to face with me. And I didn't believe in the Eucharist. I thought the Eucharist was just a symbol. But that night, the Lord gave me the grace to believe that this really is Jesus. This is God. This is the one who I've been looking for my whole life. And the first words I perceived from Jesus, and I always use the word perceived when I, when I talk about the Lord because I'm not infallible. And so I don't want to say I heard, for you know, but it was I perceived that I heard. Right. The Lord said, Josh, I love you. I love you. After that, I knew I wanted to be in a relationship with the Eucharist. I started going to adoration every day. Every single day, I would go to adoration. I would leave my girlfriend to go to adoration. I would leave parties with my friends to go to adoration. And that's the only place where I was at peace. Wow. So after high school, I went to Southern University, uh, HBCU. And while I was there, every day I thought about the priesthood. I didn't want to, but I kept thinking about the priesthood. So I went to seminary just to make him happy because he's my best friend. And then I ended up falling in love with the idea, the vocation of the priesthood. But the core of my relationship with Jesus is that like he completely fulfills me more than any person, more than Mm -hmm. any ministry, more than any place like Jesus fulfills me. And so my whole, my mission has always been, God, I want to fulfill you. Like I want to fulfill your desires. I want to console your heart. And one of the key scriptures of my priesthood has been John 17. In his prayers Mm -hmm. to Father God, he says, Father, I desire that they may be one as we are one. But Jesus expresses this deep desire of his heart. He desires unity in the body of Christ. He wants us to be one. And so like one of my missions has been, Jesus, I want to console your heart by Mm -hmm. praying, by fasting, and by collaborating with people from 
all these different circles so that we can come together before you together as you are one with the Father and with the Spirit. And so that's pretty much my mission. Uh, and it's to be a saint, to, to form saints by consoling the heart of Jesus. And so, Amen. yeah, that's pretty much my life. So beautiful and so relatable. You know, when I've met guys like, I'm going to become a priest and I'm going to change the church. I'm like, sit right down. You ain't called, brother. <laughs> you know, not even half. No, 100% of the time, these guys go to seminary and they don't even make it the first year because they go in with the wrong attitude. It's all about them and yes. they're going to change the church and all of this. And I was like, oh, no. We need to be changed by Jesus. Like, like, I mean, as, as a vocation director, I travel across the nation and I speak at conferences, but I also speak to seminarians. And one of the biggest piercings of my heart is whenever I ask the seminarians about their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it mm -hmm. seems that some guys, you know, they have an encounter with God and they go to seminary. But after four years of minor seminary, they leave minor seminary with a personal relationship with philosophy and now with Jesus. And I say this because they're able mm -hmm. to talk about philosophy for hours. But if I ask them mm -hmm. about their prayer, if I ask them about their interior life, if I ask them, what did Jesus say to you this morning? Nothing. Sometimes. Right. This is not all the time. And this is like there are right. some guys who are edifying and they do cultivate that relationship with the Lord. They do prioritize that time with them. But it is a concern I'm seeing. Or sometimes I think philosophy is a gift. I enjoy philosophy. I love to read philosophers, et cetera. But the people that we are being invited to serve, they want Jesus. Amen. They want to hear Jesus whenever they come to us for counseling or whenever someone in their family dies or whenever they're in uh, despair. They want Jesus. And so it's just really important for us to examine our conscience and examine our day and really pay attention to how much time did I give to Jesus today and how much time did I give to these other good things. Again, philosophy is good, but did I prioritize that lesser good over the greatest good? And the greatest good is the person, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I think about the amount of time that people can and do spend on social media. And unfortunately, what they may encounter or what they themselves could be putting out on social media could be things that turn people away from Jesus. I mean, I think of some prominent lay Catholics, self-identified Catholics who are commentators and they're on social media. And to me, it seems like a lot of what they say is very much the anti-gospel. Oh, yeah. A lot of what they say is cruel. A lot of what they say is meant to inflame and enrage rather than enlighten and console. Not to say that everybody has a gift to be able to console people, but these people intentionally put things on social media that are enraging and that cause harm and strife, in my opinion. How do we discern those kinds of voices? And if we do discern that they are those anti-gospel voices, how should we react to that? What should we be doing? That's a great, great question. Yeah. So I think first and foremost is we pay attention to how after I spend time reading somebody's Twitter feed or scroll through somebody's Instagram post, do I become a person who is more virtuous? Am I more patient? Am I more kind? Do I pray for people more or, or do I start to brood? Does it cause me to begin to be very judgmental of other people in their salvation? Does it cause me to gossip? Does it cause me to become wrathful, right? So what are the fruits? Like you, you know somebody and you know their work by the fruits. How is their work mm -hmm. affecting me? And I think some of these people that are on social media who are posting things, are tweeting things, are sharing things that are not edifying to the body of Christ. And again, we can hold people accountable. I'm not saying that we shouldn't hold each other accountable and we shouldn't call out public sin whenever sin is there, right? I'm right. not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that some of us need to examine our own conscience and say, God, like, what's my motive? Why did I write that? Was it to get people to follow me? Was it to get more likes? Was it to tear down this other person? Do I rejoice whenever I see a brother or sister in the bite of Christ fall? That's not good. I think it's helpful for us to imitate St. Paul. And St. Paul, after he was persecuting the Christians, right? He was hurting the body of Christ. He was hurting Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to him and checked him. And then what happened with him was very beautiful. He went away. He went away and he was stripped of his sight. St. Mm -hmm. Paul was stripped. He couldn't see anymore. And he had to take that time to listen to a disciple of Jesus Christ minister to him, someone who he had never listened to before, speak truth to him. And so it's important for us whenever we're in that place where we're like, am I? Am I the, a person who is really living in a personal relationship with Satan right now? Am I intentionally causing more division in the body of Christ? Um, mm -hmm. Am I not edifying Jesus? If this is speaking to me, then I need to imitate St. Paul. And I need to go away. I need to fast for a while from social media. Um, and I need to allow 
other disciples of Jesus Christ, particularly probably people who I persecuted, to speak their wisdom to me, to speak their truth to me so that I can be uh, transformed by the grace of God through them. And then also enter into intentional relationships with other members of the body of Christ who are different from us, who think different than us, who have a different point of view than us, so that that way they can share their wisdom with us that can hopefully convict us because we all need each other. And so if we notice somebody's doing this in our circle, then fraternal correction. And fraternal correction is first and foremost with that person. It's so frustrating whenever we become Twitter thugs and we think we're big and bold yeah, and we're Twitter like, thugs. I mean, I'm, I, I, people say things on Twitter that I'm like, I know for sure you would never say that to my face, right? <laughs> right and so right. they get online and they begin to blast people on Twitter before they ever call that person out individually. Like biblically, the way that we approach our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ is we first and foremost go to them. Like man mm-hmm. up, woman up. And go to that person, like quit hiding behind your screen and getting carried with your thumbs, go to that person. And after you've gone to that person, after I've gone Mm -hmm. to that person who is saying things that are very unnecessary, that are not edifying to the Lord, if they reject that, well, that's whenever we can take another course of action, right? But the first response is like, we pray for them, we fast for them, and then we go to them one-on-one. I love to be fraternally corrected because I know I'm not infallible. I know that I say things that are wrong at times. And I'm grateful whenever members of the body of Christ come to me and tell me and, and not just talk about me behind my back. It's very helpful for me to say, man, like you, you really did care about me. And so thank you for correcting me because I need that, right? And so I think that we have to have that disposition, that posture, both for others and for ourselves. Well, I have never seen you say anything wrong on social media, but I digress. (laughs) You said something that really struck me. You said when people have a personal relationship with Satan. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something, Father. I doubt they even realize they have that relationship. But boy, some of the things that they say on social media are so of that evil spirit. You have to wonder how could they not know when they say cruel, intentionally cruel things about people who are suffering. I mean, I think about just the discourse over Simone Biles taking time off in the Olympics and the hateful things that people have said about her. That that practicing Catholics Catholics were saying about her, it was disgusting. And especially when you throw in practicing Catholics talking about her and sexual abuse, the sexual abuse she suffered. And I'm just like, well, wait a minute now, really? I mean, it just is so shocking to hear that, especially what we in the church have gone through with sexual abuse, the awakening we've had to the, yeah. to the reality of it, to the evil of it, how it destroys people, how it's a lifelong thing that people have to work through. And to minimize that kind of harm and to demand that somebody just perform for you. I just want to comment too that I mean, I'm with you, Gloria. I think that it was it's disgusting, right? And, and it's it's sickening. And I think too, like whenever we do say things like that, whenever we talk about I mean, again, sexual trauma, as a priest, I walk with so many people who have been abused. And this is a lifelong thing. And mm-hmm. we gotta know our place. Like it's I can't speak on that. Like I'm not I'm not a therapist and so I, I right. I'm not a, a licensed professional. And so I think it's important for members of the body of Christ to embrace our place in the body and not speak Dang. on things that we are not experts on that we don't know about. And I praise God for my sister. I mean, she, she is Catholic, by the way. She's a member of the yeah. body of Christ and she needs to be reverenced and, and she doesn't have to perform for anybody. And we cannot tell people how they're supposed to deal with their trauma. Like that was, it was so inappropriate. And I think whenever yeah. we are the offenders, whenever we're the ones saying ridiculous things like that, then we really do need to say, you know what? I need to repent for what I've said, but I also need to be reformed and make reparation. I got to make it right. I got to make it right. right. And sometimes we got, we need to step away, like step away from the camera. If you are a Catholic figure saying things that are hurtful to the body of Christ, that are not edifying to the Lord, that pierce Jesus's heart, that are sinful, then it's time to, to back away for a while, go on a retreat, go get yourself mm-hmm. some counseling yourself, right? Walk with members of the body mm-hmm. of Christ who can help you out. And then discern, Father God, are you inviting me to come back into the public sphere now, right? Discernment is everything. I think sometimes we are acting on our own accord. We're not asking Father, Father, what do you want me to do right now? Like, do you Correct. want me to be in front of the camera? Do you want me to be on the microphone? Uh, Jesus prayed before everything. He prayed before he called the apostles. He prayed before he worked miracles. He prayed and fasted as well. Like all the time before any any event, he always went and prayed. And so it leads us to examine, like, am I a person of the interior life? Am I a person who is prioritizing my relationship with God? And is God calling me right now in this season to be in this place? Because right now my words while I'm in this place are tearing down the body of Christ. 
and th- that can't be of, yeah. of, of the spirit. And so it's just it's, it's important for us to always go to Father and say, Father, what do you want from me right now? What what do you desire? And then to obey Him, to listen mm-hmm. to the Lord, and even if we don't want to do it, to do it, do whatever He tells you, like Mary said. Well, let me ask you something. You know, ordinary Catholics in the pews can stumble across extremist blogs that claim to be Catholic or YouTube channels that extremists that claim to be Catholic. Or they might even get an article. Now, this is, I'm so sad to say this, but it's true, from their priest or deacon that questions Pope Francis's orthodoxy or mm-hmm. politicizes the church. You know, they say, here, why you need to vote for or vote this particular way. And I understand guides and stuff like that, but there's some things that have been beyond guides. And many of these Catholics are puzzled or confused, and they take everything the priest says as the gospel, you know, stuff that's even outside their expertise as the gospel. I mean, how do we navigate those discussions? What's the church's pastoral responsibility here when you have priests or deacons who people trust speaking on things or saying things that just are outside of their knowledge or capacity, but they want to be seen as, you know, we have to follow what's, what he says because he's ordained. Yeah, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a great question. And it's, it, it's unfortunate, too. You know, we as priests, we're not infallible. We're not. We are not always inspired by the Holy Spirit. Our words mm-hmm. are not always without error, right? They're not. And so it's, it's, it's important for, for every disciple of Jesus Christ to be, you know, more rooted themselves in the church's teachings, the actual church's teachings in the word of God in sacred tradition, more than we are these lay theologians, these pastors, these priests, these sisters, these bishops, whoever they may be, because they could be wrong. You can look in the, in the scriptures, you know, Peter, our first pope was wrong after he was pope in the New Testament in, in Galatians and St. Paul, his brother in Christ had to go check him because as pope, he was saying things that weren't good, true or beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so his brother in Christ, St. Paul loved him, respected his authority as Holy Father, but he also like, he also checked him. And so we we see in the word of God that even the apostles, those first priests, those first bishops, Mm -hmm. they also were not always in line with the divine will. You know, I I look at them and I see bishops, because that's what they are, the, the apostles are bishops. They betray Jesus, they abandon Jesus, Peter denied Jesus three times. Thomas doubted Jesus. Jesus, his first <laughs> invitation for them was to sit, watch, and pray. And they wouldn't even do that. And they, they chose to sleep <laughs> over that. Right. Peter then got wrathful because he didn't pray. And he cursed people. He cut someone's ear off, abandoned the Lord. And then afterwards, Jesus, he still chose them. He still loves them. And we, because we're the body of right. Christ, you and I, we are the body of Christ today. When we see our brothers in Christ, our bishops and our priests, our pastors who are hurting Jesus, remember who we are. And so I, I just think it's really important for us to be okay with questioning people who are right. in public because we're, again, sometimes we put somebody's post on Twitter above the word of God. And we, and mm, we, we were mm. like, this, this person said this. I'm like, yeah, but the Bible says this. Like, this All is what right, scripture yeah. says. Are we, we, and I'm like, why are you idolizing, making an idol out of this person? You know, it baffles me. I, I think it's important that we also, if we are in that boat right now where we are more rooted in some of these personalities on social media right. to fast from them, right? For a season to say, you right. know what? Like I need to, just, I need to take a break from them because their words are distracting me from discipleship. Their words are, are not helping me to, to see people and enter into their mess and walk with people and accompany people. Their words are encouraging me to just cut people off. And especially we see it with the Holy Father, with Pope Francis. Like whenever this man is a member of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. God knows Pope Francis. God loves Pope Francis. Right. Pope Francis is a necessary member of the body of Christ. And St. Paul says that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And when you have these right. people writing these blogs and sending out these tweets, basically saying, we don't need Pope Francis, Ooh. that's not biblical. I'm like, look, when they say that, I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm like, because how can you say we don't need Peter? Exactly. How can you? That's dangerous. That's a very dangerous place to it's be. It's very dangerous. And I'll tell you something else that was a dead giveaway for me is when a bishop in his rightful authority, tells the priest, you need to chill. And the priest is not obedient to that. And instead, running out and raising money and talking about, I'm going to do this. That, to me, is a sign. Because if what saint do you know 
that was not obedient to a lawful authority in their life. Padre Pio, yes, think of the suffering he underwent. All right. So he said, nah, I got the stigmata. You ain't going to tell me. No, he did what he was told to do. And God vindicates on his time. And that's one of the things I know when reading uh, St. Teresa of Avila, the Lord loves obedience. He does. Obedience is the key to holiness. So one of the scriptures that I've been praying with is, is in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, whenever Jesus, again, he takes Peter's side. He says, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Mm-hmm. Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. But then Jesus says, there's going to come a day where you're going to have to go places you don't want to yes. go. Right? Mm-hmm. Obedience. And if we look, tradition tells us that, you know, Peter was martyred. He was crucified upside yeah. down. And at one point, like he didn't want to go to the cross. Yeah. He did not want to go there. That was not, it wasn't comfortable to be there, but he, he encountered Christ. Christ came to him. He was like, Peter, where are you going? Uh-huh. And Peter turned and he went to a place where he didn't want to go. And because he was obedient, even to that season that was painful, because he was obedient to that place, that space that, that he was invited to go, uh, it bore supernatural fruit and he became Saint Peter. And not only did he become Saint Peter, but his obedience helped other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ become saints as well. So there's always supernatural fruit that will come from our obedience, Mm -hmm. even to that which is difficult. You know who wasn't obedient, Gloria? Satan, Judas, Satan, the devil, like, 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 right. I mean, so like disobedience is, is not a virtue. Right. So when we go back to scriptures, it's, it's, it's easier to discern when we look at the word of God and we say, okay, who was envious? Oh, Satan was envious and Satan's envy brought death into the world. So whenever I'm being envious of somebody else in the body of Christ or in the world or whatever, like who am I in a relationship right now? Right. So we look at the word of God and examine the conscience, but like we need to examine the signs of our times through the mm-hmm. lens of scripture and tradition. Yeah. So that makes when you say examine through the lens of scripture and tradition, then I would say for people, because so many people do say, hey, I think I have a calling to do X and I think I should be in front of the TV and this and that and the other. And I was like, hmm, how do you know you're doing it for the right reasons? You know, how do you know that's really the Lord calling you? And then they'll say, well, how did you get into it? I said, I didn't. I didn't want to do anything. People asked you, right? Like you, you didn't grasp, right? You didn't grasp for this. People came to you right. and people said, can you do this? Number one, you were rooted in prayer. So like your, your first priority was God because you were a late Carmelite yeah. before you were on yeah. TV and before you were on right. the radio. You were already a disciple of Jesus yeah. Christ. So you're rooted in prayer. And then on top of that, people began to come to you and ask you, right? So you didn't go out and grasp, say, and then after you say yes to, to trying it out, you saw the fruit. The fruit was supernatural. People began to have conversions. Like I, I saw someone the other day wrote on your podcast, for this this podcast for America. I read one of the, the comments and someone said, I was considering becoming Catholic. And after listening to Gloria's podcast, I am now going to become Glory Catholic. Glory to God. That is supernatural fruit. And so you know by the fruit. And so I tell people, it's like, all right, like you want to do this? First of all, be rooted in prayer. Because God might tell you yeah. no. Or he might say, not now. He might say, you have the gifts, but I don't need you in that place in the body of Christ right now. Right now, I need you to be a student. Right now, I need you to be intentional. You know, there are some people out there who are more focused on their mission than they are in their relationship with God. And I can see it in their work. They're, they're, mm-hmm. the, the, the work that they're doing is not edifying. And, I, and, and you, can, you can see it in the work. It's pointing to themselves and not to, to the Lord. And so we get ourselves into trouble whenever we're more rooted. If I think about my ministry, more than I think about my relationship with God. If I wake up thinking about my work, more than I'm thinking about Jesus. If, I, if I'm talking about my work, more than I'm talking about my relationship with Jesus. Like These are all like points for me to say, whoa, because work will come and yeah. go. Like ministry and missions, they have seasons. They, will n- they won't last forever <laughs> and ever. Remember that? Yeah. Hey. Uh-huh. I wanna. So, uh-huh. But they, they will not last forever, but Jesus will. And so who am I rooted in? Because if I'm rooted in this holy communion with, with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then the fruit of that communion will dictate all the tweets that I post, mm-hmm. right? It, it will dictate how I post on Instagram, Facebook. It will dictate what ministries I, I do, what blogs I participate in, what, what videos I whatever record. But if I'm not rooted, then who am I giving to people? People don't want me. They want to hear Jesus. Yeah. And, and so I got to be rooted in the Lord. We'll be back in a minute. So let me ask you this. I know, I think I already know the answer. I mean, you turn off social media, I already know that. But I know that there are folks who believe they cannot turn off social media, who believe that Mm. they have to do something every day because they want to maintain their followers. They want to get more followers. They want to be popular. 
and all this stuff. Mm. And I keep thinking, I'm sure that's what people in marketing tell you, you got to do all these things with social media. But I keep thinking, if you're more devoted to that and you're seeing that it's mm. harming you, harming your soul, harming your relationship mm. with Jesus Christ, you have an obligation to turn it off at that point. Amen. I really think you have an obligation to turn off social media when it starts to interfere or even replace or damage your relationship with Jesus. How would you... We must decrease. Uh, we must decrease. He must increase. Right. I mean, look at... Again, it goes back to the gospel, Gloria. Look at Jesus in scripture. How did he respond after he did ministry and people began to try to promote him and make him a king? They wanted to like exalt him at times. And what did he do? He left. Mm. He went away by himself to pray. So he did this active ministry and then he went away for more time to be with the Father. He went away. Every time people began to say, oh, we, we glory, hallelujah, Hosanna, mm -hmm. he always exited, left. He wasn't trying to be a celebrity. He didn't want the crown of people's affection. The crown he took was the crown of thorns. Yeah. And so that's very wise of you to say, it's like, what am I, am I more concerned about followers and likes and shares and all that? And if so, then what am I operating? Well, what's my motivation? We need to like, if I post something, I post it for the good of the church. Mm -hmm. I post it for the good of the body of Christ. I post it to edify God. I post it to help people to repent, to have conversions. I post to help people become aware of sins that they didn't know were still operative in the church, in the, in the people, the body of Christ, like or in secular society, in our, in our institutions, in our systems, in our practices, in our policies. I post so you can become aware so that you can then take it to your own prayer to discern how might Holy Spirit be inviting me to address these evils in our world today. But if I am posting to get likes, you know, and we see it sometimes even whenever there might be like a Twitter thread and there might be somebody who is on Twitter all day long, like literally <laughs> from morning to yeah. night, commenting on everything, going back and forth. I'm like, how much time are you wasting right now on social media that you could be used to, to serve the poor? at a homeless shelter that you could be using to, to learn by reading resources about unjust institutions mm -hmm. so you can actually be educated. How much time are you spending in prayer? How much time are you with your family, your friends? Are you actually doing work to build a civilization of love? And how much time are you wasting? And, and then you will know you waste that time because the fruits of the spirit. You become a lot more impatient when, you're, when your spouse comes home or your kids come <laughs> home. You become yeah. you're wrathful. And I'm like, whoa, see, that is not a fruit of the Lord. When you spend time with the Lord, you're patient, you're kind, you're gentle. You don't rejoice when other people mess up. You are forgiving. You are filled with mercy and kindness and joy. Whenever you are not doing things God's calling to do, you will not be. Let me tell you something. When you said that you're merciful, your joy, I just so our listeners know, you're not playing. I remember this woman came at you on social media and attacked you. It was so disrespectful. And Father, your response was so loving. You thanked her and you basically told her, if you do believe I'm wrong, please pray for me. And that's, you yeah. can't, and she just, and she's being even nastier and nastier. And you would not stoop to her level. And it was so edifying to see. And it was just such an example. And I was like, he's holy. Because ain't no way. I'm not, I want to be holy. I'm, I'm a sinner. I go to confession once a week. I'm a sinner. No, brother. Well, let me tell you something. There was something supernatural going on over there because I wanted to snatch her. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to snatch her on Twitter for being so rude and nasty. Mm. But the way in which you encouraged her to pray for you. You said, if you believe I'm wrong, pray for me. You didn't get up there and fight her and all this stuff. Mm -mm. You just encouraged her to love you in Christ, to love a priest that she thinks might be wrong and to pray for me, to fast for me, to do all these things so that I won't be in error. I was like, whoo, goodness, that was so beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, this is St. Jean-Vinet did. St. Jean-Vinet one time, some priests were complaining oh. to him about their people, their own parishioners. And he said to them, what did you fast for them yet? Like before you complain about them, have you fasted for them? And so that's what I, I invited that, that person to do was like, look, if you find error in what I've said, please correct me because I'm not infallible. I am, again, yeah. I'm not inerrant. I'm not always inspired by the Holy Spirit. Please fast for me because fasting is powerful. Fasting can, can cast out certain strongholds that might be oppressing me, that might be causing mm -hmm. me to hurt other people and be a barrier for other people to, to, to be disciples of Jesus, to build a civilization of love, to, to take down and to reform institutions that are not good. So 
it's important that we right. we do. That are we fasting for the people that we struggle with? Again, social media, there's a lot of people right. on there that are very difficult sometimes. They say things that are very harmful, but we have to examine, have I prayed for this person at all? Have I? Have I fasted for this person? And if I haven't, then it's, it's always hurtful whenever we're not living the gospel and we're, and we're just talking about people instead of talking to people. And that's a reflection of our interior life because sometimes we talk about God, but we don't talk to God. We don't mm, listen to God. Right. So if we're not listening to people talking to people, mm. we're probably not doing it with God as well. I know there's some super big names on social media who are lay Catholics and some of them we don't know, but we could, you know, of course, pray for them or whatnot. And some of yes. them we have to mute. Some of them we have to block. Yes. Some of them we have to stay away from. Be blocked and be, be blessed. Be blocked and be <laughs> blessed. And I will say as someone that's on social media, I do get a lot of nasty people just, you know, say things to me just to be cruel. Sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe this person's operating in good faith and I want to try to understand them. And then in engaging yeah. with them, I realize, okay, they're not really, they're about something different. So I don't engage with them at that point. But it does require, I would say, you have to be disciplined about it. Yeah. You have to have, you do need to pray for people on social media. I, I pray for the people that are my followers and people that I follow. And I do pray for people who are saying hurtful things, but I also know I can pray from a distance. I don't need to be receiving yes. all that poison every day. You know, sometimes mm -mm. that one thing. Avoiding the occasion is sin. And when you pray for people, I, I tell people all the time, like, you don't have to pray a whole rosary mm -mm. of people. You could do one Hail Mary mm -hmm. and be done. Because what happens sometimes, like one of my friends, she was doing a holy hour for people that were gossiping about mm -hmm. her. And she would leave that holy hour more mad than when she walked in. Mm. And I said, that's because you're looking and you're focused on that person more than you are Jesus. I said, give that person a half of a Hail Mary and then focus right. on the Lord. Like the Lord would do so much through our life, but like limit that. But you got to understand yourself and know your mental health yeah. and, and where you're at and like and reverence that. But yeah, you, you're so right for that glory. Say a prayer and then move got on. Got to, got to. And the mute button can is your friend also. You know, you can mute, <laughs> mute people button. on social media, on Twitter. I know you can. You know, and I would say I also noticed a lot. There are a lot of race problems on social media oh, as well, right? And just things that are said that I'm like, that's not true. People misrepresenting mm -hmm. points of view. And I'm like, why? What is this about? And that's when I say this is, it's not about humility. It's not about truth. It's not about justice. It's about gaining the followers, like you say, and things like that that just... And also, people don't want to give up what they perceive to be power. And that also, to me, is another telltale sign. Remember, they wanted Jesus to be, what, this great king and stuff like that, right, when he came. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't that. He wasn't this powerful ruler that everybody thought, you know, when they were like, oh, the Messiah, the Messiah. And I keep thinking... You know, the more that we want earthly power and the more that we want to do things to get earthly power, the farther away from God we can become, mm. right? That that can become a temptation, right? And so people are bragging about, oh, I got all these blah, 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 blah followers on social media. Mm -hmm. And I keep thinking that shouldn't have been your goal, right? To be like super big. Your goal is to be faithful. But then if you do have all those followers, it does make me think that you have an extra special responsibility. You have more yeah. responsibility when you have more followers because these are people that are listening to what you're saying. And I'm sorry, but it does count. What you tweet or what you put on Facebook, what you put on Instagram does count as, you know, what you're saying to people. Yeah, no, it's true. We will be held accountable by God for our tweets Dang. and our posts. And, and, and it's, it's gossip just because like with politicians or with celebrities or whoever, just because that person's a public figure doesn't mean it's not gossip what we're doing. And in the book of James makes it very clear, James chapter three, mm -hmm. that gossip is, is a terrible sin. It's, it's not a minor sin. It's not just like, oh, it's oh, gossip's okay. Like, well, gossip is very serious. And it can tear down. Yeah. It can tear down. So and it can isolate. Uh, we need to have custody of our tongues and custody of our thumbs. Ah, like whenever we are on Twitter, like, like have custody. <laughs> like God, like give me the gift. Of, like, like I need you to possess my hands whenever I go in these places and spaces because like what we post seriously can turn someone away from the gospel. Yeah. It can turn someone away from the church because they might think, well, this person represents the church because they are a famous lake. And I've seen this. Like you saying, there are some Catholic theologians. There are some big Catholic celebrities out mm -hmm. there. There are Catholic uh, clergy. And because of their platform, people think, well, everything they're saying must be what the church teaches. And if that's what the church teaches, I can't rock with that. Right. And then they leave. 
they walk away from Jesus. They walk away from the sacraments. And so the Lord will hold us responsible for what we posted. And so I, I think it's really important for us to be prudent, but then to also, as you were saying earlier, like to break out of our little holy huddles, mm-hmm. um, to get out of our echo chambers, you know, uh, and, and to begin to dwell with people who are different from us. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Jesus crossed cultural boundaries. Yeah. Jesus dwelled with the scribes and the Pharisees, Sadducees, prostitutes, tax collectors, fishermen. He dwelled with anybody and everybody who were so different. He spent his last days on earth with a bunch of messy thieves, people who were cursing, (laughs) people who were screaming at him. They were mocking him. Like that's who he chose to dwell with. And so it's important for us to look at our circle and say, who am I dwelling with? Because you know what? At the end of the day, I have found in my walk, when I dwell with people who are, are super liberal or super traditional, when I dwell with people who are conservative or progressive, but I'm actually attentive to listening to them. Yeah there's always some truth I'm able to hear from them. Now, I ain't saying it's always, it's typically very messy and there's some things I need to say, okay, I got to throw the bathwater out, keep the baby. Right. But like in these different circles, there is wisdom and we need each other. Every member of the body of Christ is necessary and we all need each other. And so it's important for us to say like, what don't I know that I need to know so that I can be a better instrument, a better bridge for other people to come to know, love and serve God. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking about when you say, when we discern, when we pray to make sure we have our, a good relationship with Jesus, that we're not too attached to social media, be okay to step away from it, to take those breaks, also to be able to be wise on social media and identify things that are anti-gospel, mm-hmm. you know. And also when our friends, the people that we know on social media are showing their behinds, to go to them as friends and say, hey, please, let's not do this. And here's why, to say a loving, kind word to them privately. And I understand that. Yeah. But I would also say, you know, sometimes the difficulty, at least I see sometimes on social media, is in these groups of people and they start, they don't want to hear it. So sometimes it's okay to, what, to shake off your sandals and keep it moving. That, see, everything that we're saying, like the, the course of this conversation mm-hmm. is going back to the gospel. Mm-hmm. What did Jesus say we're supposed to do? And again, and also, I don't want people to hear this conversation and think I'm saying that we should never publicly hold someone accountable either. Like there are times when the Holy Spirit when the Father wants us to publicly hold our brothers and sisters accountable because our holding them accountable might be their point of conversion. Mm. Like that might be the thing that helps them to come to conversion. But it always, like the public accountability, and it's different things too. Like if somebody was a pedophile, like right. people need to know. But, but in general, like for things that aren't like a priest molesting a child, the proper approach for most things is the biblical approach, which is you go to the person first, hold them accountable. And then even like whenever we do say things on social media, sometimes it is more helpful to speak in generalities, right? And this is something, like that's what someone one time DM me, direct message me. They're like, why don't you say specifically who you're talking about? I'm like, well, I talked to that person already one-on-one. They know who I'm talking about because I had a conversation with them one-on-one. And so right now I'm making the rest of the community aware of evils that are present of sins that are still being practiced by people in our church. So I'm not going to shame this person now and have everybody sit there and stone this person. Now, Joseph, it says in the the gospel, he was unwilling to expose Mary to shame. When Jesus, who was raised by Joseph, encountered the woman who was caught in adultery, he was unwilling to expose her to shame. He was unwilling to expose her to shame. But he also corrected her. He said, go and sin no more. And so that's what we should do as well. We are disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. And so that which we are doing in our online ministry, where so many people are at, like that's where people are. So the church needs to be there too. But we need to be imitating the early church, the Mm. early church apostles and the God who we abide in relationship with as well. Amen. That's beautiful. I think I'm going to be, you gave me a lot here to chew on, to think about, to meditate on. I hope our listeners are able to take that to heart too, as they think about how they engage on social media and who they let into their mind and their souls and influence Mm -hmm. their way of seeing and thinking and relating to the world. Um, I also have to say, I do feel, sometimes I feel very angry when I see these people who are self-identified Catholics with a large follower base Hmm. sending so many of their followers astray. That makes me angry. Yes. And anger is good, right? Anger is just. And that anger then should inspire us to do everything we've been talking about, to pray to Mm -hmm. fast, but also to go to them and say, look, you are being dangerous right now. Like Paul did with Peter, like let them know. And then again, if they reject this, at least I could say that I'm on judgment day. God, I I tried. tried. I I, I I planted a seed and maybe someone else watered it afterwards. But like, God, if we see people's stuff, I don't think the Lord allows us to see people's stuff so that we could just 
like our anger, when we have the emotion of anger, which is a good thing as human, mm-hmm. it can either lead us to become wrathful, mm-hmm. to want them to die, to want them to go to hell, to, to, to want to harm mm-hmm. them. Or it, that anger can lead us to want to work for their reform. Yes. You know, like let, may this anger draw me to do holy arrows mm-hmm. of reparation. Especially when right now there's a lot of public figures in in the Catholic Church who are saying reckless things about Black and Brown members of the body of Christ, racist things, yeah. right? So God, let this anger draw me to offer up days of fasting for them and penance. May draw me to suffer for their salvation, like God, I do as a God. priest when people go, go to confession yeah. to me. You know, like I do penances for everybody that comes to confession. It ain't my sin; it's their sin. But I offer up penances for them. And so when I see public sins, it's like that's an invitation for me to say I'm going to offer a penance right now for their conversion because I don't want them to go to hell. Right. And that's what, one thing you've always said over and over again. Because when you speak about abortion, so many people are like, oh, we love you, Gloria. Gloria is the best. Whenever you speak about <laughs> other racism. moral topics, they're like, oh, we love her. But the second you speak about racism, they're like, shut up, Gloria. Stay in your place. Shut up. Shut up, woman. Yeah. That's exactly what they're saying to you. Yes. They're like, we do not want. But you've oh, yeah. always said, I speak about this because it's a sin. Mm-hmm. It's a sin that you can go to hell yep. for. When I speak about lust, when I go to high schools, I do like chastity talks or purity talks. I talk about pornography and masturbation and or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I know some of those kids are still going to go home and look at porn. Sure. But I at least can say I tried. Jesus, yeah. I planted a seed because I want them to know that this sin is not good for them. So same thing with racism. When you and I, because we both travel and we both speak to bishops, we yeah. speak to religious orders, seminaries, parishes, institutions, conferences. We speak about racism. We know that there are some people who are still going to leave and they're still going to support racist institutions. They're still going to participate in practices that accommodate some people and discriminate. So we know that already, yeah. but at least we can say with a good conscience, I did my part. Yeah. I planted the seed, God, and I pray that someone else will water that seed, but I did my part because I don't want people to live in sin. Uh, I, I, I don't want people to die in sin. Right. I want people to die with the grace of God. That's true. And that's, uh, you had me laughing because they shot up, Gloria. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's yes. what they said. You know, you know yes, it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's the, it's the funniest thing. I mean, the, and the reason I think I could laugh about it is because I'm like, until the Lord tells me, shut up, Gloria, I'm not shutting up. <laughs> you know, yes. it's just like, yes. you know, it's his. It's up to him. Yes, queen. Right? Amen. Yep. And I want to, you know, and I think I hope people are in their way listening and understanding that it's about, being able to discern what's his, what he wants you to do and say, and then be prepared and be all right to accept whatever blows are going to come with that. Because you're not going to follow him. Blessed are those who are persecuted. I mean, you just, you can't expect to be loved by the world and follow Jesus. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. And that's why I think, you know, talking about how do you, you know, end up losing your soul on social media, that's because people want to be loved by everybody on social media. And they do and say things that, are contrary to what's going to de- have them keep developing the relationship with Jesus. One of your patron saints, and mine as well, is St. Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. right? She's your mother, essentially, yes. spiritual mother. Yeah. St. Teresa of Avila struggled with vanity for over 20 years as a sister, as a nun. Yeah. She was more concerned with the opinions of others as a sister. So she was going to church every day. She was going to prayer and all that, but she wanted the affection of people more. She was more rooted in their opinions than she was in the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for us to recognize, like, if we recognize that right now I am more rooted in social media, you're not alone. There are saints who have preceded us in our walk toward eternity who also struggle with that vice, mm-hmm. with that bad habit. They had those same imperfections that they struggle with. So lean on St. Teresa of Avila. If that's your vice, then lean on her and say, help me, help me, pray for me. Show me what happened with you for you to be able to finally detach. And it took 20 years, yeah. 20 years. So you might struggle. You, you might have become aware of, through this podcast of, of like, this is my vice. I don't read scripture. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I check social media as opposed to checking the word of God. All right. That might be you. Okay. Now you're aware. That's a great place to start. So, you know, Father Josh, some people might say, well, why be on social media at all? You know, and I, you know, I have to say a little bit, I think one of the things in St. John Paul II wrote about the new evangelization that we need to be where the people are. Well, that would be yes. my reason. You know, well, where are the people right now in this age? Right now, a lot of people are on social media. That's mission territory too, but maybe you have a different take on that than I do. That is, we share the same sentiment, right? We must be where the people of God are at so we can communicate God's words to them, God's love for them, God's truth to them. And so we've got to be like, as as a priest, I'm responsible, not just for the people who show up at mass and come and sit in my pews in my church, but I'm responsible for every single person 
who lives in the geographical boundaries of my parish, whether they're Catholic, Protestant, atheist, agnostic, Muslim, Hindu, Jew, wow. whatever their background is, I am responsible for them, mm. for their good. And so I've got to get out of my church, go through my neighborhoods, walk around, meet them where they're at, and invite them to a relationship with Jesus and ask them, how can I best accompany them in their walk toward eternity? Reality is a lot of our people today are on social media. And because that's where they're at, we need to be there because the enemy is going to be there. Mm. And the enemy is going to be there to tempt them with suggestions, with lies, with discouragements, with accusations, with the invitations to be divisive. Mm. So we've got to be that face and the voice of Christ. St. Teresa of Alva says he has no hands but ours, no body but ours, no Twitter thumbs but hands. ours. Hands. <laughs> Not thumbs. But wait, Twitter, yeah, Twitter thumbs. Yeah. And so like, we, we've got to like go and be with the people where they're at. And so like, that's what I do. I have a podcast. And in the fruit of my podcast is that I've been able to not only reach people out like outside of the, you know, around the world, but also people in my geographical boundaries of my parish who aren't Catholic, mm. who have never felt comfortable going to a Catholic church because of someone who had a bad interaction with the priest and their family. And then they listen to my podcast and end up coming through RCIA because of mm. it. Or they listen to my podcast and they got their marriage blessed. Listen to my podcast and they fell away from the church and came back to confession mm -hmm. because it became a, a safe place and a safe space for people to on their own encounter the word of God in their own safe place. And it became a bridge. And so I think we've got to imitate Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't crucified between two beautiful golden candlesticks. <laughs> right, right. He was crucified between two messy thieves. And yes, social media can be a very messy place, but we are called to imitate Christ and bring the joy of the gospel to those messy places so that his grace can transform them. And I want to say you do that well, and you also do it with some humor some of your videos, Father, are hilarious. I love. Oh, TikTok. I oh love my TikTok. goodness! I loved your videos during Lent and fasting, and the poor, the mm. poor, the guy was all happy pulling out his food, and you just smacked it out of his hand and looked at him. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. Friday. for them. Oh my goodness! It was hilarious, and so I want people to know you can also bring joy <laughs> on social media as yeah. well as the faith. You know that we can be joyful too. And on that note, I want people to, to end with this little happy note, thinking about that, that they can be joyful on social mm. media. And, joyful, and joyful, Lord. See, I wish. I'm not even going to hurt people's ears. <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs> but it, it, so thank you again. And I love looking at the videos that you put on social media. I love, love, love them. And I love the profound tweets you, you put out there as well. So I'm hoping people, how thank can you. they follow you on Twitter, by the way? Yes, yeah, so on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Fr Josh Johnson. It's Father, Father Josh Johnson. And then on uh, my podcast, is Ask Father Josh. It can be found on any podcast uh, place where it's available. And uh, and then you can always find me in the Blessed Sacrament. So uh, when you go see Jesus in the Eucharist, like that's where you and I will be in communion with each other. And hopefully if we don't meet on earth, if, if we don't encounter each other on earth, we can persevere by the grace of God and become saints. And we can dwell with each other forever, forever, ever, forever, forever, ever. ever in heaven as saints. Amen. Love it. Thank you so much, Father Josh. I'm so glad you're able to join me today. Thanks, Gloria. I'm so glad you're tuning into the Gloria Purvis podcast and journeying with me through these important and sometimes challenging conversations. I'm trying to do my part to speak about these issues openly and faithfully. And you have a part in that too. If you're getting informed and inspired by our conversations, then other people probably will too. So please share an episode with a friend or family member. Help me get the good word out there into the parishes and schools and communities wherever you are. And be sure to subscribe to the Gloria Purvis podcast on your podcast app. And please leave us a review if you can. I would love to hear from you. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Gloria underscore Purvis and on Instagram at I am Gloria Purvis. The Gloria Purvis podcast is a production of America Media. It's produced by Sebastian Gomes and engineered by Frank Tucson. You can learn more about America Media at americamagazine.org. We'll see you next time.